Uh, dear Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to gather together this morning, to be inspired by each other's company, this community of friends, family that we um, get to call home. We thank you for the ability to meet in this school uh, with all of its beautiful diversity in this neighborhood and be able to just be warm on this cold day together. Uh, we ask that as we dialogue and discuss today, today that each of us just feel your embrace, your grace, your acceptance, your peace on all of us, that we would be inspired to be your hands and feet together as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so good to see you all this morning. Um, today I'm going to free, well not free form it, but it's going to be a little different. Um, uh, there, you know there's a lot of stuff going on. I, I worked Friday and I had this coworker or federal coworkers that were just a mask in a mother week were and they're just like, it was a bad week. It was a bad week. And that's been echoed from several conversations with many of you over the phone or email or text or it just was harder. Some had work things come up out of the blue and so I know some people are still feeling uh, results of the election and then we had a super moon last Sunday, which I don't know if the super moon caused some of this or just caused something else to come out, but it was an interesting week, an interesting week then to come together to renew hope, to be inspired together. Um, I feel uh, seven years ago is a good time to be reminded of why we're gathering as a community, why we meet, why, what's going on with this, where are we going, what's happening. I want to open with this text in Hebrews um, 10, 24, and 25. Says, Let us consider how to inspire each other to greater love and to righteous deeds, not forgetting to gather as a community as some have forgotten, but encouraging each other, especially as the day of his return approaches. It's this remembering why, why do we gather, why do we come together, uh, especially as tradition has, has made it recently, that this, this weekly gathering to be inspired, to be encouraged, to come together, to be community together, the saints that are gathered in Jesus' name, those who are followers of What's, what's, what's with this? What's with Bloom? Our mission here, I think we need a reminder sometimes uh, of what we're doing and why we're doing it and where we're going it. And I guess that's my job to inspire and to remind us. Our mission is to create opportunities for people to experience the grace, love, and acceptance of Jesus Christ. To experience it, not just to hear about it or to dialogue or to have a debate or to, but to tangibly feel that grace, to tangibly feel that grace, that acceptance, that love from the divine. And we want to create experiences for people to do this. This happens on Sunday mornings, but it happens in our homes. It happens even in our workplaces as we choose to uh, love and forgive and act differently than maybe culture demands or asks for. Uh, the way we kind of do this here at Bloom is through a three-step approach. Embrace Jesus, embrace people, embrace community. We chose the word embrace started because it's so indicative of needing two parties. It's not just us coming to God, but we're embracing Jesus and what he stands for and his love for us, but we're at the same time receiving that same embrace back. Everything we do starts with this ground zero of focusing on God's love for us, understanding how much he loves us, how much he's rooting for us, accepts us, has trusted us with kingdom of heaven here on earth. This is what spills over into everything else. And it only can come from this place of centering on who is Jesus and what is he doing for us. 
from this center, we used to see it as like a bullseye, or kind of still do. I don't have the drawing, but we've got Jesus in the middle that spills into relationally living this out together because he doesn't call us to do it alone. He calls us to do it together. And there's this embracing each other, this people aspect where we do this together, whether it's the gathering here on Sunday morning or it's helping each other out in life. It's the um, a life not lived alone, embracing the relationship whatever that looks for. And, and really to embrace that, you're not going to be best friends with everyone. You're going to have a few people that you pour your life into. But if everyone's pouring their life into someone or someone else, we see kingdom happening. And the last is embracing community. is not just stagnantly sitting here in a vortex of, of this Christian community, but getting outside of it and letting the plight of our community and our neighbors and our surrounding areas be our concern and our plight, like volunteering and serving taking part in the needs that we see around us. We want to be a part of these kind of things as a community. And it's worth reminding, this is why we gather, to create these opportunities for people to experience this embrace of God, to inspire each other to live this out, to learn from each other, to get help from each other, to laugh, to cry, to tell stories. True community is this mingling of all of our stories coming together of the right, the wrong, the hard, the easy ways that we have encountered the divine, how we've been inspired by God, how we're trying to set forth our life because of that. It's in these stories that are still being lived out, that are still being taught, that we find most of our, our inspiration, our hope, that uh, even that original verse that we went on, this, this inspiring and encouraging, it happens through this sharing of our lives, these stories. This is what it is to be in community together as Bloom Church. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 tells us, This way there should be no division in the body. Instead, all the parts mutually depend on and care for one another. If one part is suffering, then all the members suffer alongside of it. If one member is honored, then all the members celebrate alongside of it. It's these people that you can celebrate with, people that we can cry with. We are together experiencing life. Verse 27 says, you are the body of the anointed, the liberated king. Each and every one of you is a vital member. And if we jump down to chapter 14, he says, what would you do then, brothers and sisters? Or what should you do then, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each person has a vital role because each has gifts. One person might have a song, another a lesson to teach, still another a revelation from God. But all of this should be done to strengthen the life and faith. So we're seeing these verses telling us that we're gathering together to, to inspire each other, to be there, and now it's telling us to strengthen the life and the faith of the community. Um, the message translation for this is really interesting. It says, each one of you should be prepared with something when we come together. Each one of us come with something prepared that will be useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. It's easy here because we have discussion afterwards, we have time to give our thoughts and opinions and feelings of what's going on and how it's being done and how we live this out together. And so we're, we're all called to this together. It's not just Luke leading from the front and hopefully I did my homework and brought something for everyone. It's no, all of us coming with something to give. There's going to be those weeks where you're exhausted. Maybe it's this last week where we're all exhausted. Where it's like, man, that was a weird week. What happened there? And we come in and we might need something from someone else, but still being willing to be the ear for someone to hug, the, 
uh, lending a piece of your story, just letting them know mutually that I had a bad week too. You're not in this alone. I get it. That was that was weird. That was rough. But it's all of us coming together and being like, man, if this is going to work, if coming together as a church that's inspired why we gather is going to work, it's all of us doing this together. Um, we focus on grace, love, acceptance of Jesus. We create these opportunities. And it might be, for me, the opportunity right now is the way I present with grace and hope this message as we're talking about these things. But for you, it might be the conversation over coffee, or it might be the opening the door for someone as you're walking in from the parking lot, or it's the remembering the prayer that was given during the prayer circles at the end, and checking in on someone and seeing how they're doing. But each one of us has a vital role in creating community and doing this in being this thing, this gathering of the saints called church. And if we want to experience church, if we truly want to experience church, and not the commercial kind of church that we're the consumeristic um, tend that we so easily can get into, what's in it for me? Do I feel like I'm being entertained by the message the preacher's giving this morning or by the music or whatever? It's not in entertainment. It's in finding your place and belonging and contributing and being a part of something bigger than yourself. Um, inspiring, equipping, encouraging. These are some of the things we're seeing that all of us are coming to bring. Not just on Sunday, but in our weeks throughout this. It's in taking someone up for coffee. It's in just that phone call to check on how we're doing. There's more to being church than just listening to uh, inspiration from the scriptures on a Sunday morning and then going home hopefully trying to incorporate it into our day. It's actually taking a hand in what's going on and doing this together. Um, my job, Ephesians 4 says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life that's worthy of the calling he has graciously extended to you. Um, this is all of us. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling he's extended to us. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. Tolerate one another in an atmosphere thick with love. Make every effort to preserve the unity that the Spirit has already created with peace binding you together. And then verse 11 says, It was the risen one who handed down to us such gifted leaders, emissaries, some prophets, some evangelists, as well as some pastor teachers. And that's what my gifting would be or my role here in this community. Uh, so that God's people would be thoroughly equipped to minister and build up the body of the anointed. These ministries will continue until we're all unified in the faith and filled with the knowledge of the Son of God, until we stand mature in his teachings and fully formed in the likeness of the anointed, our liberated king. But it says that these gifts, these gifted leaders, these pastor teachers, my job is that so God's people, you guys, those who are gathered as bloom, you would be equipped to be able to minister. You would be able to equip to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You would be equipped to be the church. It's not my job to be the church to you. My job is to support you, to serve you, to build you up, to encourage you, to equip you so that you can be the church. You guys are Bloom and what makes Bloom. And so together we do this and together we succeed or together we fail and start all over again and wipe the dust off our feet and make a big meal and figure out where we're going next. But it's a together process. And so how can I help equip support you better? It's a serious question. Actually, I'd love a response if you're ever up for it. How could I help you in your journey better? Um, 
Today, the reason I'm talking about this some is uh, we're, every year we nominate new people to be elders in the Boom community. Uh, it's a, a role that uh, we have seven people serving right now, and it, it rotates. Three are, are uh, serving out their term at the end of this year, and then three new people will join on the team and with the other four and continue. Uh, but what is this? What is an elder? Why do we have them? What's going on? Um, for our community, uh, well, scriptures tell us to appoint elders to help out because God knows I need help. I mean, the first time we started seeing it was when in Acts, uh, when the disciples just had too much going on, and so they appointed seven people to help with just the functions of the church because they. They just had so much going on, they couldn't do it all, they needed help. As it morphed throughout the New Testament, it became apparent that you wanted elders for a plurality of leadership, that there were people that were helping lead. So it wasn't just one person's ideas that could go off on rails, but there was this protected spiritual uh, people that would help us lead, grow, do something about this. At Bloom, and even what we see in scriptures, the elder responsibilities are to demonstrate the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus. It's that living life of example loving people, visiting people in the hospital, making soup for someone who just needs a cup of soup that week, praying for someone, um, praying for where our church is going. It's supporting uh, the pastor in whatever that would be, whether that's getting up blazing early to set up or, uh, or it may be going to the hospital to visit someone if I'm out of town or something's going on, or it's serving the church is a big part of it. It's a service role. This isn't some weird leadership role where they're making decisions and you have no idea what's going on and how they get there. This is a, a, a role of people who've dedicated two years of their life to serve the rest of you, to serve you, to be there for you, to support you, to love you, to be the hands and feet of Jesus because we need dedicated people because our lives get busy, our lives are all over the place and it says among you choose elders to serve that will dedicate a period of time to giving their life pretty much to the rest of us. And this is what this is what uh, we'll be doing today. This is not just um, uh, what do I want to say next? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, one other thing before we go into Titus and the description of what Scripture says who an elder should be in. Uh, the plurality of leadership is really important, and the church government that we need to choose, we've got a, a board of elders who are over the spiritual side of things, and even over me to make sure I'm doing a good job, and all of a sudden I don't have Jesus' brother Phil, that's just as important as Jesus's, or gambling the church's money, or um, who knows, having affairs with whoever's willing to <laughs> follow this. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, whoever's willing. <laughs> it's a job that, I'm human. And it's a job that we've seen many ministers make mistakes, and a better team is just a better support system than for that kind of stuff. It doesn't happen, or if it does, it is the best healing process for the rest of you. Um, it's to protect you and to make sure that I'm doing a good job. Titus tells us, he says, uh, or uh, Paul says to Titus in his letter, he says, I left you in Crete so that you could sort out the chaos and the unfinished business and appoint elders over the communities. In each and every city, according to my earlier orders, here's what you should look for in an elder. And so as we're going forward today, and as we're getting a couple of nominations from each one of you, it says uh, he should 
Pierre Bluff says, and when it says he, it's he or she. Uh, he or she should be above suspicion. They should, uh, if they're married, they should be the husband or wife of one partner. They should raise children to believe. They should be a person who can't be accused of rough and ruckus living. That one is a little bit more minor when it comes to us because we're all rough and ruckus, but I think you know what it's talking about. It's necessary that any elder you appoint be blameless. As they're entrusted with God's mission, look for someone who isn't pompous or quick to anger, who's not a drunkard, who's not violent, who's not chasing after seedy gain or worldly fame. A person who lovingly opens their home to others. This one's huge to me. Hospitality, I think, is one of the biggest uh, calls for someone who's going to be an elder. Um, to find a person who lovingly opens their homes to others, who honors goodness, who is thoughtful, fair, devout, self-controlled, and who clings to the faithful word that was taught, because they must be able not only to encourage people with sound teaching, but also to challenge those who are against it. This is the recommendation of Paul to Titus as he's setting up elders. This is the guidelines that churches have used for, I guess, centuries now, in choosing a team to help lead, um, to grow. This is, we have a a new face in the crowd, or a couple of us are newer to the community, and so this is a little bit of a weird way to start um, your first interaction, but it shows you the passion that we have for following Jesus and doing it together and having the right systems in place so that this is going to be a healthy community to keep going, to keep moving forward, to keep learning, growing, having everyone's best interests at heart. Um, this elder team that we have has been meeting almost every month, it's, it's usually at least every other month, to brainstorm. A big part of their job is just brainstorming. How are people doing? Who needs to be more connected? How can we love this community better? It's an idea box. It's not a spot that is um, uh, for lording over. It really is. I need people to be willing to be servants, to have a servant heart at this. Um, in the past, I've just asked people to write down two names. Uh, and if you're new, too new to feel like I don't know anyone, don't feel like you have to do this at all. But this year, uh, because people in the past have spelled names wrong, where I didn't have any idea who we were talking about, or put Tom, and we had like three Toms, and I'm like, all right, that was awesome. Or uh, there is a sheet that I'm going to pass around that says like uh, who you can vote for and who you cannot. But who you can vote for, I've chosen people who've been here at least six months, because you want someone who's not brand new to the community for something that's like an elder board plus Yet. Although if you think someone who's been here shorter time is like that person would be awesome, write their name in. Like this is just so you don't forget those people who are among us and not here this Sunday. Because uh, I had so many people in the past that are like, oh yeah, I forgot about this person. Because they weren't there this Sunday we took the elder nomination. Because you look around the room, you're like, who's here? I'm going to write their name down. When the average room attendance is every other week. And so the chances of you missing half the people are almost 100%. Um, I'm going to pass these out with some pens, and I'm going to keep talking. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to pass these out. I'm not going to keep talking, and I want to open it up for questions here. I do have a regular message prepared today. It'll be quicker. It'll be amazing because it's quicker. But uh, circle two names. Uh, the only ones that you can't vote for, because it has a can't vote for site, is they're either serving as elders already, or they're the ones that are just coming off the elder team, or they are married to uh, an elder who's staying on. But everyone else is 
their uh, their game. And I said, like I said, write in, you're fine. And uh, but I want to know who's got questions about this. Questions of why we do it this way, what this looks like, what anything. Like I, I think it's good for us to understand what's going on and why we do this. And so I want to open up for questions here for a moment before we move on. So the current elders right now, uh, the seven who are serving at the moment are John, Cunningham, Akua, Taylor, Jan, Chris, Raina, and Kelly. At the end of this year, at the end of January, um, John, Akua, and Taylor have at the end of their two-year elder term. So uh, they'll be stepping back to make room for more. Uh, and if Jan, Chris, Raina, and Kelly can all have anything to do another year, they'll be staying on. Um, although we've had changes and some, sometimes and stuff like that as well. Someone will get pregnant or their job will get chaotic or who knows what happens. Life is busy and so. Um, but you guys uh, nominate elders and I can only choose people who are the top nominated and I can only disqualify someone for being not on the criteria scripture shows. And so I take whatever Nominations are given today by you guys, and whoever's given the most um, is the first considered as we go down the list from there. Uh, this isn't something we advertise ahead of time because we don't want you like polling and like this turning into like a political process. Like vote Nikki for church elder at Bloom when you make signs. That's, that's just ridiculous. This is we know who's among us and who would be good. Uh, and if you don't know or you only have one choice and you don't see anyone else, you don't have any, then choose a blank or write it in. Um, if I miss your name on this sheet and you've been here longer, I don't know what the heck is wrong with me, but I'm sorry. Uh, I've looked it over several, several times and had someone else, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's pretty accurate. Keenan. I, I guess, uh, I guess I just have like a, a comment. So like the list of like criteria for an elder is pretty steep, and uh, I think not. I mean, I love all of you, but I don't know that anyone in this room like fits it perfectly. But I think that what's important is that whoever you're thinking of putting forward is that they have a willingness to understand that um, their life is a reflection of Christ's love, and that that is ultimately what we're trying to achieve here is spreading Christ's love. Um, just wanted to throw that out there that that's yeah. really. The goal of this is creating a team that will help spread grace. It's someone that you feel comfortable praying with you, giving you advice. Um, it may be someone who showed hospitality and helped you feel comfortable coming in uh, to the community. Um, you're looking for people to best represent you. Because that's what they're doing. They're they're representing you. They're 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 your ears and eyes and hands and, and, and voice. And there's better ways that we can do it, and we're always trying to uh, get better. I've had some people even, because uh, our, our meetings are open to anyone who wants to join us, uh, but we might even do uh, some on Sundays after the service to make it easier for someone who wants to attend to just throw ideas uh, and input our way to be able to do that kind of stuff as well. And so all those kind of ideas, you need to realize that this is your community. So all the stuff we just talked about should come prepared, blah, blah, blah. If you have an idea for how we should do things, you should voice that idea because this is how anything at Bloom has ever been done. 
most of the great stuff here, not the most, it's virtually all of the great stuff here is not my idea, and it's come from someone out there or multiple people voicing amazing ideas out of loving concern for someone else. And it's probably come from the Holy Spirit in times of just prayer or just ideating how we could do better because maybe we did something stupid and now we can do a better job of it to not hurt someone, to make someone feel more connected. Um, it's, um, yeah, what else? Is there any other questions? I want to make sure that I just answer any before we do an episode. I guess one other question, why seven? Uh, our, I like an odd number. Our church government bylaws are written that we have to have at least six. Um, it's a lot easier if, uh, the only voting they actually really do is the other two boards. We have a board of trustees, we have a finances, and the board of overseers. Um, and both of those boards only have to be three people each, but um, it helps protect so that uh, it's the one form of government that has been used the most in the last kind of 10 years and has kind of been uh, developed to kind of stop church arguments or splits or keep churches as healthy as possible. And so I nominate people to be uh, pastors or overseers, outside pastors that will help. Uh, and then the financial board, they make sure I'm not just patting the boards with little boys, they'll do whatever I want to do if there's protection. And so it's good to have a seventh person in case something goes wrong. Or if I screw up and they need to call in this board of overseers and say, like, Luke just gambled all of our savings on Red Barracuda at the horse track. And, uh, like, we need help. And, uh, no, seriously, you laugh, but. There has been some ridiculous reasons that pastors have messed up. Finding got tight. I, I have met ministers who put the church's money on the racetrack because they felt like God told them to do it. Because like, they were that desperate. And it was like, the church is going to end next week unless we do something. And you're just like, what? And so you need some clarification from outside leaders to help. And this board's like, we need your help from our end guys. Like, Luke has lost his edge lately and is off the rails. Um, do any of our current elders want to mention anything about like that I missed or that you think is vital to this conversation before we move on to Thank you. 
So, this week's Thanksgiving. It's a time to be with family, to be with friends, to uh, reflect and be thankful. Yet, the, like I said, the two weeks coming up to this, I've heard that people have had rough weeks, emotional weeks, tough weeks at work, just slammed for time. Um, so, where do we go? What do we do from this? What encouragement or inspiration can we get from the scripture? I want to talk about two, two things, maybe a third, um, really quickly, just to inspire us to go forward and have something a little different. Uh, the first really is having that uh, gratitude or thanks, uh, thankfulness um, practice in our life. We've been looking at disciplines throughout every five or six weeks, and so even though this is short, think of this as a discipline of some sorts. Um, Psalm says to offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Sacrifice in the title is attaches to something more to this. First Thessalonians says, 518 says, give thanks to God no matter what circumstances you find yourselves in. This is God's will for all of you, and Jesus the anointed. And there's a million of these, so just Google thankfulness, New Testament, and there's more to say than I can know. But Colossians was my favorite because it gives all this advice and it just keeps reminding us that thankfulness is tied to each and every one of these. It says, let your hearts Fall under the rule of the anointed peace, the peace that you were called to as one body, and be thankful. It says, let the word of the anointed richly inhabit your life with wisdom, teach, counsel, and instruct one another. Sing psalms, compose hymns, sing songs inspired by the Spirit, and keep on singing. Sing to God with hearts full and spilling over with thankfulness. He says, surely no matter what you do, what you are doing, speaking, writing, working, do it all in the name of Jesus our Master, sending thanks. God, our Father. It's this constant life of gratitude. It's not looking at the uh, stone that's right in front of us, but looking at all the great opportunities we've been given in the past, what God's doing for us right now. Um, we've got journals at home that Amy and Mia and I use where at night, just writing one thankful thought down before bed of something great that's happened today. So you to keep your eyes on that. And it shows like five years in a row, so you can see at this date last year and the year before and the year before, what was that thankful thing I decided to grab and pay attention to? Uh, I think it's uh, something that is inspiring and it's something that's contagious and I think it's something that we don't do towards others a lot of time, but letting other people know in your life what you're thankful for. Do your friends, do your family, do your coworkers know that you're thankful for anything? Or does it seem pompous to be like, man, I am thankful for this happening in my life? There's a reason that this discipline is built into even our Sunday morning services. It's something we're thankful for. It's something we need prayer for. It's, it's so vital to keep going, to have that hope that Sundays bring to encourage them in the next week. What are you thankful for? If someone's coming over for Thanksgiving or you're going to someone's house this Thursday, I, I dare you to spend every day until then thinking of all the reasons that you were thankful for those people you'll be around. Write them down. You don't have to have to tell them, but your face, your attitude, your embrace will show your gratitude and, and the thoughts that you have taken this into consideration. Uh, we're supposed to be known as people who are thankful. It's woven into every instruction we're almost given throughout Scripture. It's to try to live a life differently, but to be thankful as we're doing it. Um, the second thing is um, this 
this life of prayer. Philippians tells us to not be anxious about things, but to instead pray. Pray about everything. He longs to hear your requests, so talk to God about your needs and be thankful for what has come. It's just so much about what we're doing. It's just praying. But I would beg to say, pray for what's going on and what might be keeping your mind off thankfulness. But at the same point, find someone who's got it worse than you and start praying for them. Start praying for them more than you pray for yourself. Who's hurting around you? Who's got something going on? Make them the object of your prayer life. And you will watch a tough week or a tough month or a tough year start to melt away and come into perspective. We're called to be people who are peacemakers, who are lifting up others, who are in this life of prayer. There's something spiritual that happens, whether it's just in our own hearts, if you're uh, worried about prayer, or if we really want to believe that God melts and changes and heals and restores and redeems through prayer. It is, it is what we're called to do more than us than anything else is this, this life of prayer. And prayer for someone else is so amazing going to change us. The last thing I would say is maybe sharing um, a, a discipline of thanksgiving. I would even say, as we've talked about, we should have some kind of prayer discipline, but right now, making sure that someone else is involved, this, especially people you're going to be around so that you notice this in our lives. And sharing what's going on in your life, your story, your hurts, your pains, your thanksgiving. Uh, if you've had a rough week, there's just something about going out with someone sharing what's been going on. I had a, what day was it? I don't know, one day I had a rougher day, and uh, Liz ended up finding out from hanging out with Amy, and I eventually told Chris, and Chris like instantly was like, let's grab a beer, let's talk, it sounds like you had a rough day. Like this is the kind of stuff that, that uh, it's that willingness to share and be a part of each other's life. Thanksgiving, praying, and sharing. These things will take us out of any rut and help us to, to shine, to look like, uh, to not even just look like, we're not even pretending to be, to experience the kingdom of heaven in a different way, to, to tangibly experience it, and to invite others into that. That prayer for someone else, the sharing with someone else, we're inviting others into this life. Even being willing to share what you're thankful for, it does so much for those around you. This practice that we do on Sunday mornings of saying what we're thankful for and what we need prayer for. I have really attempted to bring this into my workplace, not into like, hey, let's do it. It's in casual conversation. Hey, what's going on? Like, wh what's been awesome this last week? What are you thankful for? And I get that from everybody first. And I'm like, what's, what's hard? What are you struggling with? What's, what can I keep you in my thoughts and prayers about? And it's amazing how relationally something that simple can start to... Um, Friday, I was not the one asking the questions. Other people were asking me first. How was your week this last week? Because we get used to it. We're used to sharing life together and being a part of it. And it just feels good to know that someone's got your back, that someone cares for you, that there's something more going on. Thanksgiving, prayer, and sharing. Um, yeah, I get That's all. I, I thought that was going to take longer for all of that. Um, I knew that elder thing. I wanted to leave time for discussion for that. So I want to give us just a moment to discuss as well this. Maybe you have better points than I do of how to prepare yourself for even Thanksgiving with people to best extend that to others. Um, but I'm interested in your thoughts and your reflections. Usually, if you're new to the community, uh, we teach for like 20 minutes and then do a 20-minute discussion. And it's lively and amazing. This is a little more different, but hopefully good. Kelly. I have a thought because I was 
they were on lockdown because the Pharisees were after them because they were going to be crucified too. You know, and so they were all locked in the thing. And, you know, the first miracle or the first action of Christ after he died and ascended was to bring everyone together and to say, look, you think you can't do this without me, but you can. And the reason why you can do this without me is be, I mean, he'll always be there, of course, in spirit, but like not physically. It's because you guys have each other, you know, and he, and then he says, and I want you to grow who you are through diverse communities. And so, you know, I was thinking that, you know, we've heard a lot about how our differences are bad, you know, this past year. And the first miracle of Christ is to say, drive towards your differences, mm. go towards differences, bring your differences together. Because as a community, you're able to do this better together. You know, and that was the first, first miracle. Was to, you know, people were speaking different languages. The Holy Spirit descended on them. And it was amazing. And, and the thing that I, I gave me hope this week after these past really sad weeks was you and Lindsay came over. And I get stage fright. And you guys, I don't have to do this alone. We don't have to do this alone. And you talking about that right here is like that's what's amazing about Jesus Christ in our community is he knows we don't have to do it alone we don't have to be perfect we don't have to do everything so he wants us to bring diverse thoughts diverse people together so we can do this together yeah. and and I think that that is amazing so sorry you said a bad week and then I went <laughs> you know what I mean so I think that's awesome you're already an elder you don't have to I liked, um, I liked the, 
inspire, uh, which I think is important, um, provocation to love. I mean, it, it, it is because it's, it, a lot of times it doesn't feel like you want to bring out yourself and pulling out of somebody else's. It can be challenging, but I think that just is uh, an, an interesting difference in translation. But I think I like that word provoke because it, uh, sometimes you do need to kind of pull out of somebody, but you need to have some pull out of you too.
There's so many teachers that talk about that, that believe the perspective that when we, when all things are revealed with Jesus someday, that uh, every decision he would have made, when you see the big picture, you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm glad you made that. Like, I'm, I'm glad everything, I'm glad this prayer was answered or this wasn't at all. He always has our best interest at heart, and sometimes it's hard to see that. Oh, that's cool.
now more than ever is the time for us to be unified and understanding that, yes, we all come from different places, we all have different beliefs, and we might not all look the same, but this is the time for us to say we are one in Christ, and we are the body of Christ, and we are together. And whatever hell may rise up around us, we are still together. So I just pray that we go forward in unity and realize that, yes, we are all going to make mistakes. We're going to say stupid things. We're going to do stupid things. We are not going to be the most perfect for another because we're all assholes sometimes. <laughs> but we have to realize that we are unified through Christ and we have to have that unity going forward. We have to. We have to realize that that is the value of this community is that even though we are not all the same, we are the same in Jesus. I guess that's really all I have to say. <laughs> wow, I think that that's a good, good uh, amen on that. Uh, um, yeah, Keenan, well done. We're, we've got worship this morning. Um, uh, and while we sing, and I say we because I'm helping, um, if you...